All right, well, let's take our Bibles tonight, open to the book of Micah, chapter 3. Micah, chapter number 3. Micah, chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And um, we're just going to read the whole chapter here because last week we kind of did the first uh, half of that and we're going to kind of finish it up tonight. So just getting the whole context of what we're looking at here, Micah chapter 3. And so let's begin reading in verse number 1. He says, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment, who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones? who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry peace, and he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Therefore night shall be unto you that ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you that ye shall not divine, and the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. So we looked at this last week, and we saw how that Micah is bringing this message against, uh, against Israel and uh, he speaks, first of all, to those who are in authority, to the rulers, uh, and then obviously to the, the false prophets or those who are supposed to be the, the priests and the religious leaders and uh, basically how they're, uh, just, uh, they're just selfish, they're greedy and, and all of this. Uh, and then we come to verse number 8, and he continues here. He says, "...but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment, and of might." to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. This is a really, really very interesting and, uh, chapter here that we're looking at, uh, because Micah is, again, as we saw in, in chapter 2, he's pronouncing judgment upon them, um, and he speaks about this judgment that is going to come uh, because of the actions that they're doing. Uh, but then he gives hope at the end of chapter 2, but then he comes again back in chapter 1, and he's, he's pleading for them. He's basically saying, look, I'm begging you. Uh, I'm begging you to change what you're doing. I, I pray you, he says, uh, O heads of Jacob, ye princes of the house of Israel, right? Uh, he says the same thing in verse number 9. Here I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and the princes of the house of Israel. So he's, he's pleading with them. He's He's telling them, look, I'm begging you to listen to what I'm saying, right? And, um, and, and we're going to look here tonight because really this kind of passage, um, there's, there's a really powerful part at the end of verse number 11, 
as he begins to talk again about uh, the prophets and the priests and things like this. And notice what he says in verse, at the end of verse number 11. And they say, is not the Lord among us? They're saying, wait, isn't God with us? And, and here's, what's, here's what's sad, because we saw this last week um, when God says that he will hide his face from them. There is no answer from God, right? When you go back up to verse, uh, num- at the end of verse number 7, for there is no answer of God. Um, you go back up earlier and it says that God will hide his, uh, his face from them. And yet, what are they saying? Isn't God among us? Is not the Lord among us? It's what they say, is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. What is, what is just absolutely amazing about this passage is that God has, if you would say, left Israel, and Israel has no idea that God has left. God has stepped back from Israel and said, hey, you're on your own, and they're still saying, isn't God with us? God says, nope, I'm not with you. Now think about this. Here is is God's chosen people, and they're saying, is not the Lord among us? Can any evil happen to us? Can any evil befall us? I mean, we're God's chosen people. What does it take to get to a point where God is not with you, and we have no idea that God is not with us? I mean, think about that. These are God's chosen people. God is the one that led them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land and defeated their enemies and did all these things. And God says, I have departed from you and you don't even realize it. When God departs and we don't even realize it. Notice as he begins, again, in, in verses 1 through 7, he's bringing this uh, this plea he's saying please listen to what i'm saying right and he's talking to the religious le- or the the political leaders in verse number 1 the the heads of jacob and the princes of the house of israel and then uh, when you come down to verse number 5 he's crying out th- about the prophets and uh, and the priests and the religious leaders they were they were not speaking the truth right he says they have made my people err in verse number five, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry peace. And he that putteth not in their mouth, they even prepare war against him. He says there's this accusation against them. But then watch what he says in verse number eight. But truly, I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. This, this is really fascinating because from verses 1 all the way down to verse number 7, and then from verses 9 all the way to end of verse number 12, he's dealing with the, the political leaders and the religious leaders. And he's bringing this accusation against them. Hey, you're not standing for truth. You're, you're leading the people astray. You're leading God's people away from God. And when you read this, you might almost think that Micah's being a little pious, a little proud, Because watch what he says in verse number eight. But truly, I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord. You say, well, man, look at who does Micah think he is? Well, no doubt that's exactly what Israel thought. Micah, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are as, you know, you're saying you're the prophet. Look at all these other prophets we have. Look at the priests that we have. Look at all these other uh, uh, religious people and the political people. And then here comes Micah. 
And Micah's giving this message of judgment that is coming. Micah, who do you think you are? I, I don't think Micah's being prideful in any way. Micah is simply showing us what is important and what is needed in that day and what is needed in our day today. Micah was not like the false prophets of the day who just spoke what people wanted to hear. Remember, that's what he says. You're just, you're just leading my people astray. You're just telling them whatever they want to hear. Whatever that makes them feel good, that's what you're saying. There was a difference between Micah, not just in the message that he was preaching, but in the messenger. There was a difference here, right? Micah says, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. And here's what Micah understood. In order to preach this message that God had given him to preach, Micah needed the power of God. Micah needed the Spirit of God, the power of God. He said, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Micah says, look, this isn't my message, but it's God's message. And so he knew that he needed God's power to be able to proclaim it, to preach it. And Micah was only able to be filled with power by the Spirit by his close walk with God. Now, I want you to, I want you to look what he says. Truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I'm going to ask you a really serious question here. Please do not answer it out loud. But could you say that? Could you and I say, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord? Or are we just living our lives in our own power, in our own ability? Micah understood in order to preach this message, he needed the power of God. And the only way that we are able to be full of the power of God is to have that close, personal walk with God every single day. Now, the one thing that we, we find about many of the prophets is a lot of times we don't know a lot about the prophets before they come on the scene, right? All of a sudden in, in 1 Kings chapter, uh, what is it, 16, 17, 18, all of a sudden there's Elijah. Boom, here he is, Elijah the Tishbite. What do we know about Elijah the Tishbite? Well, his name was Elijah, and he was from Tish. That's all we know about him, right? That's it. What, what do we know about Amos? Well, Amos was a herdsman from Tekoa. That's it. But here's something, here's an insight I believe we get into these men because just as Micah says here, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. God was able to take these men and use them because they had a walk with God. Sometimes we get this idea, well, if God wants to use me, then he'll just, he'll just give me whatever I need and he'll just call me when he wants me and do all this stuff and, and, and then, we'll, then I'll do it. No, no, no. God is looking for those who are actually available. God's looking for people who are available to use. Okay? If we're not walking with him, do you know what we're telling God? We're not available. Oh, no, 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 pastor. I, I, if God wants to use me, then, then I'm willing to be used. Then walk with God. Then walk with him. 
Have that relationship with him. Have that close communion with God on a daily basis. Because here's the thing I know. God, God wants to use you. But if we're not walking with him, then we are telling God we are unavailable. Because we're not concerned about what God is doing. We're not concerned about what God wants in our life. That's why we don't really want to walk with him on a daily basis. And we're not concerned with what God wants for us in the future. Because we've got our own plans. We've got our own ideas. Micah said, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. He also spoke with power because he knew he was on the side of right. Notice what he says. He says, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might. He said, I'm I'm full of power by the Spirit of God, but also by judgment and by might. That, that word judgment means justice, and might is referring to power. Justice refers to doing and speaking what is right. Micah says, I, I, am, I have been doing what is right. I've, I've been speaking what's right. I've been doing what's right. Again, because I've been doing what's right and speaking what's right, when God wanted me to come and preach this message, I'm ready. Because of the the justice, the, 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 the doing right and the speaking right that he has already been a part of. But then he also says, but might with strength. Micah knew that strength came not only from the filling of the Holy Spirit, but the, the power of the Holy Spirit, but also from the word that he was speaking, the word that is being spoken, the message of God. And here's the thing that we have to understand. God's word is powerful. The Bible says his word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Even Paul says, uh, he talks about how important it is to preach word. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, right? When we are able to preach the word of God, again, we're talking about what God says. When we're willing to stand and preach what God says, you know what God gives when we preach his word? Power. He gives power to those who are willing to stand and preach his word, right? Power to be able to speak the word and and to use the word of God. But here, may I say this, just because you're on God's side, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you'll speak up. Just because you're on God's side, just because you're doing right, doesn't mean that you'll speak up. There are many Christians today who aren't speaking up like they should. Why? Because we're not walking with God the way we should. We need the power of God's Spirit to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Think about this. What does he say in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, when Jesus is getting ready to send the disciples out? He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Right? He says, look, when, when you have the Holy Spirit of God, God's going to give you the power that you need. And when you speak his word and when you proclaim his word, God's going to give you power through that because there's power in his word. And so Mike is saying, look, I am, I am truly, I am full of power of the spirit of the Lord. No, so notice he's, he's giving a comparison. Here's all these false prophets that are just speaking whatever people want to hear, right? They're just Whatever, whatever people like, that's what we're going to do. Okay? Uh, Paul tells Timothy about this. He said that, uh, go back to, uh, uh, I believe, is it 1 Timothy? Let's see if I can find it here real quick. Go back to uh, 
2 uh, Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, notice what Paul tells Timothy. He says, preach the word in verse number 2. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You understand what he's saying here? He said, look, there's going to come a time, Paul says, when people don't want to know what the word of God really says. That They don't want to know sound doctrine. They don't want to know the truth. They just want to have people tell them what sounds good. Make me feel good about myself. Don't, don't, preach, don't preach on sin. Don't preach on uh, you know, the word of God. Just m- preach on things that make me feel good. Say things that make me feel good about myself. Say things that when I leave, I'll be like, you know, I'm just, man, I'm just such a good person. You know, I came today and I'm so glad I came today because, you know, I found out that I'm even better than I thought. Yeah, that's going to go a long way. Right? And this is what he says. They, they don't want, and notice, they said, he's, Paul says, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know what he's saying? There's going to be a lot more of those than there are those that stand for the truth. This is what Mike is saying. Hey, all of these other false prophets, all these other priests and things, they're just saying what, what you want them to say. But Micah says, I can't do that. I can't just say what you want me to say. I can't just say what you want me to hear. Why? Because I'm full of power by the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to preach the message that God wants. And yes, no doubt, there are people saying, Micah, who do you think you are? And Micah's saying, look, I'm not doing this in a prideful way, thinking somehow I'm better than you. Again, he's pleading with them. He's pleading with the the political leaders, the religious leaders, please turn, repent, turn back to God. Micah says, I just can't go along with everything. I just can't. I just, I just can't go along with everything that's going on. I can't just, you know, go down the stream with everybody. Would it have been easier for Micah? Sure it would have. It would have been a whole lot easier for Micah just to go along with everybody else. But Micah says, I can't do that. One, it's not true. It's not the truth. We need to know what the truth is. And Micah says, not only can I not do it because it's not true, but he says there is truth that needs to be spoken, and God needs men and women to stand up and speak the truth. Where are they going to come from? Where are those men and women going to come from who will stand up and speak truth? Well, shouldn't it come from those who claim the name of Jesus Christ? So where are they today? Where are those that are going to stand up and speak truth? Where are those that are going to be like Micah and say, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord? It's sad that there's not that many out there. You say, well, that's the preacher's job. Wait a minute. Was Micah a preacher? Was Amos a preacher? Was Elijah a preacher? Was Elisha a preacher? Amos was a herdsman. Elisha, he was out there behind the oxen plowing the fields. It's not, it's not, well, that's the preacher's job. No, 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 no. It's not just the preacher's job. It's every one of our jobs as Christians. And this is what happened in Israel. There weren't people to stand up for truth. And here's what happened. Because they would not stand up for truth, they didn't even recognize when God left them. 
when we don't stand up for truth, when we just say, well, let's just go along with what everybody's doing, and we're just going to kind of, you know, we don't want to take it, we don't want to make people mad, we don't want to offend anybody, we're just going to go along with everybody else, you know what happens? God says, all right, see you later. Because God's not going to go along with that. And they didn't even recognize that God had left him. So there was a difference between Micah and these false prophets. But notice also there was a difference between the messages. What was his message? Watch what he says here. He says, I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might. And here's the message to declare unto Jacob, his transgression and to Israel, his sin. That's a little bit different message from what the false prophets were speaking. Remember back up in verse number five, he says, my people, uh, they make my people err. They're speaking peace when there is no peace. They're just, again, their, their message is different. Their message is different. Micah stood with boldness and proclaimed the message that God had given him. And we need Christians today who will fearlessly stand and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And may I say this? We really ought to do it now. We really ought to stand and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ now. Why do I say that? Because we ought to do it now while it's not as hard. You say, well, I, I, it's kind of hard for me. I just I don't like talking to people. That's not what I'm talking about when I say hard. It's not what I'm talking about. By the way, if you'll just be obedient to God, God will give you the power that you need to speak to people. Right? A lot of times we use that as an excuse. Well, that's just not me. Now, I'm just not that type of person to talk to people about Jesus. Well, if you're saved, he's made you a new creature, and he's made you, and he's given you the power that you need to talk to people. The question is, are you going to use it or not? The power is there, but if you don't use it, it's kind of not going to do anything. Don't, don't blame God. No, no, he's already said, hey, I've told you to go. I've given you the power to go, and when you go, I'll even, I'll even help you with the words to say. I'll help you. But we just use that excuse, well, you know, I just, I just, I just have a hard time talking to people. Look, I'm going to be, you know, most of you in here know me, but you, you ask my parents, you ask my mom, right? In high school, okay? I don't remember if I was a junior or a senior. I had to give a speech, right? I had to give a speech. You know who my audience was? My mom, my dad, and my sister. That was my audience. Could I give it? It was horrible. I couldn't even get up in front of my own family and talk. I mean, to give a speech in front of my mom, my dad, and my sister. I think I failed speech class. <laughs> Sometimes people think, well, you know, pastor, you just, you know, it's, it, it's easy for you. Nah, yeah. It didn't come easy for me. It doesn't come easy for us, anybody. But is it right to do? Yes, it is. And should we do it? Yes, we should. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a preacher, but we ought to all be standing for truth and proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And, and here's why I say that we ought to do it now while it's 
easy because it's not going to get easy, right? It's going to cost. There's going to come a day in our time when it is going to cost. And I'm not talking about someone cussing you out or slamming the door in your face. That's, that's not costing you anything. I'm talking about there's going to come a time when those that stand for truth will be beaten, when those that stand for truth and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ will be imprisoned or even put to death. You say, Pastor, that's, that's never going to happen. It already is. It may not be happening that way in our country, but it's happening that way in other countries. In fact, it's been happening that way for 2,000 years. This isn't something new. This is something that has been happening for 2,000 years. You look at how the Christians have been persecuted and martyred uh, for, simply for standing for the truth of the Word of God. Sometimes we, we get a little delusional in thinking that in America, you know, everything's just going to go great. And, and, and can I say that we almost respond like Israel does in verse number 11? Is not the Lord among us? No, he's not. Can none evil can come upon us? Hey, we're, we're Americans. You know, we're founded on biblical principles. We're America. Nothing's gonna bad, nothing bad's going to happen to us. And we have no clue that God has left. God's left. Oh, yeah, I'm thankful that there are, there are Christians and there are churches all over the United States. But as a nation, and this is what God is telling Israel, as a nation, I am done with you. I am not part of you. Yeah, was God using Micah? Sure. Was God using Amos? Yes. Was God going to use Isaiah and Jeremiah and others? Yes. Were there those that were the remnant that were faithful to God? Yes. But God says, as a whole, I am finished. And they had no clue that God had left them. No clue. Because they were not willing to stand for the truth. They were not willing to speak the truth of the word of God. Now, here's the thing. If we won't be fearless when it's easy, how can we expect to be fearless when it's really going to cost us? I've heard people say, well, you know, if if persecution came, I would die for Jesus. How are you going to die for Jesus if you won't even give out a tract to somebody? How are you going to die for Jesus when, when we're, we're almost ashamed to even have a Bible, you know? In our home, if we have people come over, we kind of like hide the Bible. We won't want to know we're Christians. At work, we're not going to tell anybody that we're Christians. We're not going to put, you know, and I understand that in some work environments, you're not allowed to do things. But, man, somebody has a desk. Well, you know, I'm not going to put anything Christian up there because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad and know that I'm a Christian. And we're going to die for Jesus? We're going to suffer for him. We're not willing to suffer for him when it's easy. When we have, we have it so easy here. We really think we're going to suffer for him when it gets worse? You think about these prophets like Micah and Amos and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Elijah. Oh, it was easy for them. Really? They were willing to take a stand even during the most difficult times. <laughs> I found this really, this verse really struck me. Think about what I, Jeremiah says. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 10, listen, let's just listen to what he says. Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife and of contention to the whole earth. You understand what Jeremiah is saying? 
Jeremiah says, woe is me. Mom, what? man, do you understand that you have, you have born a son that everybody hates? You've born a son that because he's standing for the truth, the whole world is against him? Sound like it really popular for Jeremiah to stand for truth, wasn't it? In fact, when you read about Jeremiah, you'll find out that all the whole time Jeremiah preached, nobody would believe him. Nobody would believe him. Isaiah, God says, hey, I need somebody to go. Isaiah says, oh, here, Lord, here am I, send me. God says, all right, Isaiah, I'm going to send you, but nobody's going to listen. Wait, what, God? What do you mean nobody's going to listen? Well, I need a messenger to go. Okay. Nobody's going to listen to you, though. That sounds real appealing, doesn't it? We get this idea that, oh, man, these guys had it easy. You know, they just stood out there and, you know, they just preached. Hey, they went through difficult times. These men were persecuted. Jeremiah almost died in a pit, right? And you don't even want to know what kind of pit it was. He almost died in it. He kept preaching the truth. Nobody would listen. These prophets were willing to take a stand during the most difficult times. And as Christians, we ought to be willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Declare the message that God has given to us. Look, we ought to be willing to tell people that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back soon. And man, we need to make sure that they know Christ is their Savior. It's not a hard message to tell people. If we're willing to speak the truth. And notice the sin that Micah speaks against as he continues here in verse number 9, again, coming back to them. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward and the priests thereof teach for hire and the prophets thereof divine for money. You understand how wicked this place was? Again, think about it. He, look at these things, the injustice. He says they abhor judgment. The heads, those that are supposed to be leading, they abhor judgment. They, they, they don't care about justice. In fact, they were willing to be bribed. They're willing to be bribed for whatever it is. Hey, whoever's got the most money and you're willing to pay, I'll rule in your favor. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? You know, God actually said something about that back in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse number 19, when God was giving Israel the commands, he says, thou shalt not rest judgment. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. He said, what do you mean by the gift? It's a bribe, right? It's a bribe. We call it a bribe. Every country calls it something different, right? In Uganda, they don't call it a bribe. In Uganda, they call it appreciation. That's what they call it, appreciation, right? I remember when uh, my in-laws came and visited us, and um, we picked them up at the airport. We're heading back, and uh, a police officer pulled us over. And, uh, you know, I pulled over. He came up, and just he pulled me over just because we were, we were white and foreigners, pulls me over, starts walking around the vehicle looking for something to be wrong to try to take some money. 
And he looked and he says, your insurance has expired. I said, oh, man, great. It's not that insurance does anything over there anyway, but, but it's like, oh, great. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I said, I'm, I'm from Mbali. We came to pick up some people from the airport. I said, I'll, I'll get it taken care of as soon as, you get, as soon as I get back. No, I've got to take you down to the police station. Oh, great. My, mother and fa- my mother-in-law and father-in-law are sitting in the back. This is like their first time in Uganda, right? The roads are, there are not great anyway. We're in Kampala. My mother-in-law is probably like gripping the back seat. You know, I mean, she just, you know. Um, so I'm like, okay. So my father-in-law was sitting up in the seat next to me, and uh, yes, next to me, because we drive on the right side of the road over there. You drive on the left side of the road. Yeah. Anyway, so he, had, he was over here, and so he had to get out, and the police officer gets in. So this police officer gets in, and he's got an AK-47, and now my mother-in-law is really freaking out because here's a police officer that's getting in our vehicle with an AK-47, and I'm trying to whisper to my wife back there, pinch the kids, make them scream, do something, you know, make it uncomfortable for this police officer in our car, right? So he's like, all right, we got to go to the police station. So we start driving, and uh, he's like, you know, yeah, you, you know, you really shouldn't be driving without insurance. I said, I know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I'll, as soon as I get back to Mbali, I'll get it taken. No, 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 we got to go to the police station. Got it. You're going to have to pay the fines, and, you know, oh, come on. I knew what he was doing. He's just pulling my chain so that I would offer him a bribe. And uh, so we start talking, and he's like, you know, I said, look, if you'll just let me go, uh, I'll get back to Mbali, and I'll get it taken care of. I mean, the insurance is like $5, you know. Like I said, it doesn't really do much of anything, okay, but you have to have it. Uh, I said, I'll, I'll take it back. He says, well, he said, I, I could let you go, but I, I, I would need you to show appreciation. Well, I know what that is. He didn't say bribe. He said appreciation, right? <laughs> and so I said, man, I, I, you know, if you would let me go, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> and I said, I said, man, I would. And, and we were kind of stopped at a roundabout. And I, said, I reached over and I shook his hand. I said, I would really appreciate it if you would just let me go. And he's like, well, you need to show me appreciation. I said, I appreciate it. And we just kept going back and forth like this. And my mother-in-law's in the back, my father-in-law's in the back, and the kids are in the back. And finally, my wife got the hint, and she's starting to pinch them, and they're starting to scream and cry. And this guy's looking like, what am I got myself into? You know, because all these kids are back here crying, and then I'm up here, and I'm showing appreciation, but I'm not giving him appreciation. And he's like, finally, he's like, pull over. He gets out. He's like, get the insurance when you get back to Mbali. He said, thank you, I appreciate you. appreciation, right? That's what they were, they were bribing, right? This is what they were doing. And God said, look, what, what happens when you give a gift, a bribe, right? For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. This is exactly what God warned would happen. And this is exactly what they were doing. He said, the heads of Israel, the heads of the house of Jacob, the prince of the house of Israel, they abhor judgment, They pervert all equity. They were distorting the truth. The word equity here uh, has to do with that which is straight, that which is true. They're distorting it. They're they're perverting all equity. There's no truth. There's there's nothing that is right. What should be right is not. We, We saw that up there in verse number two, who hate the good and love the evil. It's just the opposite of what is right. It's just the opposite of what is true. This is what he's saying. They they pervert all equity. 
Notice he says in, in verse number 10, he says, they build up Zion with blood. You know what he's saying? Man, the cities are, the cities are growing, right? The, the, everything is, you know, what we would say, business is booming, right? Things are, man, everything's taken off and buildings are being built and infrastructure and things are great. But look at the cost. He says, it's at the cost of those who are poor. It's at the cost of those that you're taking their lives, they were, they were willing to murder people. They were willing to take and abuse the poor and just whatever it took to be able to, to get a step ahead, to get that next step up the ladder. He said, they build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity, accepting all types of sin, all types of wickedness. Again, remember, we're talking about these are God's chosen people. And they were just going along with everything going along with iniquity, going along with sin and wickedness. Hey, it's, it's all right. We, you know, don't, don't preach about that, Micah. Don't, don't, don't preach about our sin. Don't preach about the wickedness. Nay, just, just get in line. Just follow everybody else, right? Micah says, no, I can't do that. The message that God has given me to preach is to, to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. In verse number 11, he says, the heads thereof judge for reward. Think about this. They judge for reward. And the priests thereof teach for hire. The prophets thereof divine for money. What was their sole purpose? What were they doing everything for? Money. Profit. You pay me and I'll say what you want. You pay me and I'll make a ruling in your favor. Hey, not only were the heads doing it, the judges thereof for reward, the priests thereof teach for hire. Hey, we'll, we'll teach you, but you're going to have to pay us. Again, I'm, I understand in schools and things like that, teachers need to be paid and things. But these were, these were the priests. These were the ones that were already being taken care of through the tithes and the offerings that God's people were giving. And then they're saying, hey, we're not going to teach you unless you pay for it. You're going to have to pay us extra now, right? One of the things that, that really, um, in, in Uganda, and even it, it happens here too, um, you find churches and pastors and leaders, spiritual, supposed to be spiritual leaders, that they will only do something if you pay them to do it. You want to, want to do a funeral? Well, how much are you going to pay me to do it? Hey, we'd like for you to marry us. Well, how much are you going to pay me to marry you? right? We, we want you to pray for us. Well, how much are you going to pay me to pray for you? See, everything comes back to money. It's all about money. This is what he's saying. They were doing it for a reward, for, for, for money, for hire. The prophets, they're of divine for money. The prophets are willing to say, hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you something, but you're, you know, it's, it's all about money. Everything was about money to them. Everything was about themselves. The, again, the bribery, the teaching for hire, divining for money. Money was being paid for, for the priestly rulings on the Torah. I like what one, uh, one commentator said. Um, these are two guys, Anderson and Freedom, or Friedman. They said that um, the Torah that is sold will be made to please the buyer. Think about this. The Torah that is sold. In other words, these priests that were supposed to be teaching, the Torah that is sold will be made to please the buyer. Right? Why, why are there so many pastors that don't want to preach against sin? Because they're afraid people in the church will leave and they'll lose their money. 
right? That's what he's saying, right? That's, that's exactly what he said. The Torah that can be bought, right? The Torah that, will be, that is sold will be made to please the buyer. I mean, we, we understand that, don't we? Right? I mean, we look, at, we look at our society today. What is it? People make laws to benefit themselves, right? So that they can be able to take off of it, right? It's, it's all about themselves. It's all about money. Not just in politics, but, but everywhere, right? It's all about what I'm going to be able to get out of it. This is what Israel had come to. It was all about themselves. This is, why, uh, this is why Micah is declaring, he says, the sin of Israel and the transgression of Jacob. This, this hypocrisy was of the worst kind. And because notice what he says here. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? He said, yet they'll lean upon God. They're saying, oh, yes, we we are God's people, and and we love God, and and we're following God. He said, yet will they not lean upon the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? Oh, man, we're God's people, and he will not bring evil upon us. None evil can come upon us. Can I tell you, that that is the worst form of hypocrisy, to claim to be of God and yet to not preach the truth of God but to convince people that God is with them and that nothing evil will happen to them. You're all right in your sin. You're okay in what you're doing. You're all right. God's just going to overlook it. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. You You just enjoy life. You just keep doing what you're doing. And then to claim to be somebody from God speaking those words. He says, oh, no. No, no, no. Therefore, verse number 12, shall Zion... For your sake be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps, the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. You know what God says? Because of what they were doing, it would result in judgment. And here's, again, this, is the, this just boggles my mind here. They didn't even know that God had left them. It reminds me of another, another account in Scripture in the book of Judges. I think you know about a man named Samson. That the Holy Spirit came upon him and he would be able to have power and, and might until finally one time he let a woman cut his hair. Not, not that the power was in his hair, but it was what God was trying to use. And when she cut his hair, he said, I will go out at other times before. And this is what Scripture says. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Samson had no idea that the Spirit of God had departed from him. He had no idea. He had no clue that God's Spirit had left. He said, hey, I'm going to go out just like I've done all these other times. God said, Samson, I'm not with you. And he had no idea. Israel says, hey, we're God's chosen people. God's not going to do anything to us. We're, we're, we're all right. God says, I've, I've, I've left. I'm not even there. And you don't even realize it. This is exactly what happened to Israel. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. That's where we're at today. Whether it's because we think we're a nation that is not able to fall, or whether we think because we're Christians that nothing bad's going to happen to us, 
But friend, if we don't have men and women who are willing to take a stand for truth and for what is right, and to boldly and fearlessly proclaim the message of Jesus Christ while we have the freedom to do it, it's going to get worse. And then who's going to stand up? Who's going to stand up then? Where are those that are going to speak the truth of the word? We need to be doing it now while we have the freedom to do it. While it's not as bad. Because if we will do it now, then maybe as it gets a little bit worse, there will be more and more and more instead of just one guy like Micah trying to say, hey, Israel, you've got to change here, man. Israel, Micah's here. Yeah, there were other contemporaries. Amos preached for over 60 years. Micah's preaching for about 20, 30 years. Where's the rest of them? You think about how many Christians are in our country today. Can I, can I be honest with you? If, if everyone who was a Christian, and I'm using that term loosely here, if every person who claimed to be a Christian stood for right, I guarantee you our country would be going in the opposite direction. You say, well, Christians aren't the majority. Christians don't have to be the majority. We don't have to be the majority. But if just those who were, who claimed to be Christians, if they would just stand for truth and right and, and say, hey, look, we're just going to follow the word of God. We're just going to, this is the message that God has us to preach. And that's what we're going to preach. Our country would be headed in a different direction. But it's because those of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ are not willing to take a stand. We're just going along with the rest of the world and thinking, hey, the Lord is with us. The Lord's with us. God says, I've left a long time ago. But I do need some men and women who are willing to take a stand and to preach that judgment is coming. Jesus Christ is going to return, and he is going to judge the world. And if we're not ready for him, brother, that's going to be a sad day. It's going to be a sad day. Will we be like Micah and be willing to take a stand when God departs, it's because there's nobody to take a stand. Nobody's speaking truth. Nobody's preaching the message of God. And God says, all right, you're on your own. Father, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to realize how important it is that every single one of us as Christians would stand like Micah and boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, to do that, we need the Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit of God in our lives to be full of His power. Lord, not our own, but of Your power. Lord, to proclaim what You have said in Your Word, to stand for truth, to stand for right, and preach Jesus Christ. Lord, that others might know. Lord, what, what could happen just in our community if those who claim the name of Jesus Christ would just take a stand and say, no, we're not going to go the way of the world anymore. We're not just going to condone sin and accept sin and just, just think everything's okay. No, we're going to take a stand for truth and right. 
And yes, it may cause us some people to cuss us out, and it might cause some offense, and it might cause somebody to slam a door in our face. Lord, we have an opportunity now, before it gets really bad, to take a stand. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be bold and fearless like Micah. That we would not wonder, Lord, if you've left or not. Lord, but we would know that you are with us, empowering us to do your work. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the piano is just going to play softly tonight. Just a moment. Would you be willing to just say, Lord, am I willing to take the stand for you? Am I willing to take a stand at work? Am I willing to take a stand in my community? My family? My friends? So I just don't want to offend anybody. Friend, wouldn't it be better to offend them now than to let them continue going through life not knowing the truth? Where are those who are going to stand up and speak the truth of the Word of God? Stand for truth and right. And preach Jesus Christ. So much more could be done if there was more than just Micah. The whole church said, we're going to take a stand for right. Christians in a community stand and say, we're going to take a stand for right. We may not be the majority, but when we take a stand for right, God will bless. Bless.